True story. Driving home from vacation on 75 South yesterday. You know, the vacation blues, the vacation's over. You're you're dealing with all the boats and the trailers and the craziness on I-75. Having a great drive south, and all of a sudden we come along two church buses and two church vans ahead of us. And I'm like, oh, man, there's somebody coming home from camp. And we go past the, the last van, this the third, the second van, and then the first. We get to the first bus, and we look up, and it's Ross Martello driving this kids home from Lake Ann. So I immediately grabbed the phone, and I called Ross Martello. And he answered. I'm like, what are you answering the phone for? You're driving a bus. <laughs> Busted. But Ross, Ross has been a good friend of mine for years. Uh, more Before I came to the east side of the state, we knew each other for a long time. Ross is currently the youth pastor at Emmanuel in Flint. And uh, Ross has been in my group. I have a group of four youth pastors that I meet with once a month, uh, have coffee, and we talk about ministry. We went through a book together. Uh, I, I purposely brought Pastor Ben along to, to meet Ross so that he would be around a youth pastor that knocks it out of the park. Ross is one of those youth guys that is just doing a fantastic job in ministry. And wouldn't you know it, God called him to do something to step out of that comfort zone. Uh, while he's a youth pastor, he has a vision for something bigger, and it's quite a vision. And so I'm excited to bring my friend to you today so he can preach the word, but also share. I told him, don't hold back. Uh, I want him to share this new ministry adventure so Oakwood could grasp it, understand it, and figure out how we can come alongside and be part of it. It's in our neck of the woods, right? So we want to be a part of it. Ross, come and share what's on your heart today. Appreciate you, friend. Thanks, Welcome, man. Ross. Pastor Don and I have known each other for a long time. We met, um, I was probably 24, 25 years old, uh, working for regular Baptist Press, and you were doing youth conferences. Those were always my favorite, because I always knew I was going to end up in youth ministry, and so I would always uh, run to all the services and messages and training things that they were all doing, and I I worked my schedule so I could make it every time, and so that's how we met, and... uh, uh, we have been friends ever since, and just keep bringing you back in. It's been great. He's been one of my mentors the last couple of years, and it, it's been a great time. I'm glad you're over here, man. I really am. So, uh, my name is Ross. I am uh, currently am currently the youth pastor up in Flint. My my family's over here. Um, I have a, a daughter. I'm gonna go from left to right. I have a daughter, Erin. Oh, actually, I have. I forgot. I got control over this. Hold on. <laughs> hey, there we go. I got a, a daughter, Erin. She's the, she's the youngest. Um, she is going into seventh grade, so I'm going to have a junior higher and a senior higher next year. Um, so she's going into seventh grade. Um, and then next to her is actually uh, Nisha. She is my daughter's best friend. She goes to our youth group. And uh, so she really wanted to come down and, and be a part of this, which was really awesome. And then next to that is my daughter, Allie. She's going to be a senior this year. We have already been out to colleges looking at them. And so she's thinking about, she got two of them, one in Colorado and one down in, uh, in uh, Georgia. So she wants to leave us and get away from us as quick as possible, I think. Um, but she's getting ready to go. She, wants to actually, she actually wants to go into some type of camp ministry. She loves working at our kids' camp every year. It's her favorite week of the year, and so she thinks she wants to do that. Next to her is not my wife, but she is uh, one of our board members, Pam. And then next to her is my, my wife, Laura. And so... Uh, we've been married since 2004, so what's that, 19 years now? Just put up with me 19 years, thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, that's us, and then the other person in the picture is not here, 
Uh, that is uh, in the top picture. That is Biggie. Uh, Biggie is an adopted son, kind of, uh, not officially adopted. He came and lived with us for uh, two or three years, finished school, um, and now he is off on his own, making a life for himself, starting a family here soon. So um, that is that is Biggie. He stayed with us, and uh, he is he is always going to be part of the family. And my my youngest will never let me forget that. She she loved having Biggie around. So. Um, and so today I am going to share with you guys from Matthew 28 is going to be our main text. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 28. Um, <clears throat> I actually had Pastor Don come meet with me a couple weeks ago and I'm like, hey, listen, I have never done a message slash presentation in the same time. I don't know how to do that. I either preach or I've presented. I've never done both. And so um, I'm going to take you guys through <laughs> kind of the heart of, of what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it. And part of that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain a little bit about what we're doing now, because I want you to see what we're doing now, because it really gives birth to uh, what we're trying to do here in the future and getting ready to do real quickly. So um, we are going to start, from, start at uh, Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. And so uh, this, is a, this is a verse that you know every church probably has at some point used in, in some sort of vision for their church. Because it's, the, it's what Jesus told the church to do right before he left, right? And I love the part that he uses. He actually made them, Jesus, he made them leave where he was and go to Galilee just to get this. Like, we're here, just tell us now. He's like, no, no, I'll meet you in Galilee. You go to Galilee, we'll, we'll, we'll do it there. And so he says this. He says, the 11, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, like I've got the authority. Now I'm telling you, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded to you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. So there's three things there. And I like that he made them actually go to Galilee because the first thing he asked us to do is what? It's to go, right? It's the first thing he asked us to do is go, right? Two big things that really, I think, talk about that is he's telling us, like, don't just be in your group and think people are just going to come to you, Right? Their responsibility is not to come get the gospel. That's not the responsibility of the world. The responsibility of the world is to receive the gospel when it is given, right? It is our responsibility as the church to leave our seats, leave our lives, and go and share the gospel with the people that live in our community. That's what we're called to do. We cannot just come to church and sit in our pew and expect, you know what? And this is a nice building. It's a nice building. It really is, right? It's been decorated well. Music was great. Comfortable seats. People are nice. We have coffee out there. It's great. That's not what you should expect. We have it. If you build it, they will come. This is not that. We are called to go and meet people where they are at to bring people the gospel. It has to be. That's, that's, the, that's the command that Jesus gave in his authority to go. And the church has done that well in America when it comes to foreign missions. 
In the past, we were, America gave foreign missions money. We're sending out missionaries. I mean, I don't know. I know churches, we, so our Emmanuel just, um, just did a rescue at a church down in Grand Blanc. And so we have two campuses now. And they had, I think it was like 72 missionaries on their roster. They weren't making budget, but we had, they had 72 missionaries on their budget that they were supporting, which was great except for they had 22 people and they weren't going to survive. And they did really good at sending out. They were trying to fulfill the go part around the world, but the go part was never, and they, they did, they had used to. They talked about the, all the bus ministries to do and the kids they brought in, they had basketball leagues, but they had been gone for many, many years. And the church forgot to go. It just became, they, got, they were so big at one point, they just, people were coming. People were coming. Instead of bringing the gospel to the world. And so, part of that, bringing the gospel to the world, it takes a concerted effort. It absolutely takes a concerted effort. And so, um, one of the things that we are doing right now as a concerted effort is we have something actually called Amplify right now. This is confusing. Um, and we knew it was going to be. We did this. We have Amplify at the church we're going to do. Now, the ministry we started, which is a separate organization, is called Amplify. We did that not for the church. We did that because kids knew the name, and so it was easier to not have to remarket it all, right? They just knew. They knew what Amplify was. They knew they trusted it. And so the church gave us permission to start a ministry with the same name of a ministry we already had. I know it's confusing. Just bear with us, okay? And so currently, we do this. This is what we do at the church. We, the last 10 years, we've had something called Amplify. We take buses out. Uh, we take vans out. We pick up kids um, all around Flint, Davison, um, Burton, Grand Blanc. We pick all these kids up, and we bring them to the church, and we have a program, right? We have a program that, you know, it, it, it consists of about a half an hour of just hanging out. We've got cafe. We've got video games. We've got basketball. About a 15-minute message on the gospel because that's about all they can handle right now. And then, and then they got about 45 minutes to, uh, to, to do whatever they want after that. And um, it says, well, 15 minutes isn't that long. Well, you're right, it's not, but it's enough to bring the gospel. Just every week. I get to have them about 43 weeks out of the year, 40 weeks out of the year, depending on snow days and all that, I get to preach the gospel to them 40 times in different ways. And then I can use the extra time. If they're not listening, I go, okay, I can sit up here all day. We got 45 minutes, guys. We can sit here all day. And then they usually be quiet. It's great. But this is what we do. And this has been built by us going out with buses. You know, we play basketball on the east side. We have, we have done, um, you know, I bribe kids. You know, you never, but youth ministry, right? Youth ministry 101, bribe kids with food, right? And so um, I've told kids, I said, you know, a couple of kids were like, man, like, we got to get some more people. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. We do. If you bring 10 people this year, I will take you to any restaurant you want. They're like, really? Yeah. Okay. And then they, they always bring 10 people, don't they? Every single time. And so we had, we've, we've done that. Me and, my, me and my buddy Jason, who rides the, the bus with me, we, uh, almost every year we, we owe somebody something. Because we, not only do we go out, we tell this kid, hey, you go out. Like, you know these people better than you. I can't. And they go out and they bring people in to the gospel to hear about who Jesus is. And so we've done this. We, we run probably 70 right now. We've had 130 kids before. Um, that was crazy. 
Yeah, we figured that, that 130 was probably too many. Um, but 70, 80 is, is, is a great number. We handled it well. It gives us time to have relationships with these people. And it, gives us to, it allows us to get to know these people. Because if you do outreach, you have to be willing to give up control to God. You have to. You want to know why? Because you never know who he's going to bring. I, I pointed it up. You told me not to point it up there, and I still did, man. So you have, but you have to be willing to, to minister to whoever God brings. The Bible says this. It says, once again, Jesus went out beside a lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphys, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner with Levi, he invited all of his friends. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And the great thing is that he did come to call sinners, right? And if you listen to Paul, he's like, yeah, that was, I was the chief of sinners, is what Paul said. And I will tell you that, you know, I've, I kind of feel that way a little bit. Like when I grew up, like me and my family, we went to, uh, we went to church Christmas and Easter. I don't know if any of you guys uh, have grown up in that. That was me. We, every Christmas and every Easter, we went to the Methodist church right down the road. Um, and, you know, that's what I thought church was. And I grew up, and I'm like, yeah, God's real. And to me, this, is, this, this was my way of, of, of saying that God was real, was forgetting about him completely until me and my friends walked in front of a church. And I would tell my friends, hey, listen, you can't swear here. We're in front of the church. Wait till we get to the next block, and then you can cuss all you want, right? That's not what I did. That was my way of, of honoring God because, I don't know, I felt like I had to do something, right? And so, you know, I was in all, I mean, I was a sinner, I don't have time to talk to you about it all. I don't really want to, but I have stories. And God called me out of all that because my friend invited me to paintball. You guys ever play paintball? It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Paintball is great. He's like, you get to shoot paint. And I'd never played. You get to shoot balls of paint at people like at 100 miles an hour, it felt like. And I'm like, that's great. Let's do it. And so we went and played. I didn't care it was the church. We got up early went out, played all day, and I realized that the people at the church were kind of cool, and they're like, hey, you should come back and hang out. We have a basketball hoop. And I'm like, I'm there. And I was a kid that probably needed a little help to figure out how to actually go to church. And we have kids. We have kids that are like that. We have drug dealers that show up to Amplify. And they, you flat out know they're a drug dealer. And I, I've walked up and said, hey, man, listen, you know you can't, you can't do that here, but glad you're here. Yep, I know that. Okay, sounds good. Most of, them are, most of them are pretty respectful of it. And they keep coming back. Keep coming back. We have a kid that I probably kick out out of the 40 weeks of here, I kick him out 15 times during the year because he's yelling at someone, trying to, trying to say he's going to fight him. I'm like, man, we don't do the hair. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm like, all right, man. You know that's a week out? He's like, yeah, I know. I'm like, okay, I'll see you in a couple weeks. He's like, all right. He comes back every time. 
right? But this is it. What does Jesus call? Jesus has come to call sinners. And so if you're going to outreach, you don't get to choose who he brings into your life. You don't get to choose. And this is my prime example of this, is this guy right here. A man, Dontavious. Yes. Dontavious has been coming to our church since he was kindergarten, at least. Because our kindergarten Sunday school teacher, it's her favorite kid in the world, is Dontavious. Favorite kid in the world. And so he comes in, comes out. You know, we, sometimes he moves here. I think since I've been here, we've known him eight years. I think he's had ten different houses. Like, I just, sometimes I'll just come to his house to pick him up and they're gone. And I'm like, oh man, I've got to go find him again. And this last time, the only reason I found him is because I have befriended a Catholic nun and she found him. And she's like, hey, I found them. And I'm like, all right, tell me their address. I got to get them. And uh, she, got a, she got them hooked up. Got, the only reason they went to camp this year, only reason they went to camp this year is because uh, she found them and got them signed up while I was on vacation. And um, Dontavius is a great kid. And I said Dontavius, they're like, oh yeah, it's Dontavius. He is the life of the party everywhere he goes, which is what gets him in so much trouble because he's always the life of the party. And he's, he's, a, he's a great-hearted kid. Um, this past year, I mean, if you were just know his life, I'm just going to give you the last year. This last year, um, his mom, he's, he's just a single mom. They lost their house. And so um, probably the last nine months, uh, he, he spent living in a one-room um, hotel room. In Flint, I don't know if you know, and don't have that down here. In Flint, we have hotel rooms that just, they rent by the week, month, and you just, people live there. And so they live in a one-room hotel room uh, with mom and brother and sister and other sister and sometimes brother's baby and um, five, six of them in a hotel room. And um, didn't go to school except for like maybe the last three months of the school year this year. So he's going to repeat his grade and... Um, Three weeks ago, one of his family members, I mean, think about this. Think about your family growing up and you all living in a one-room hotel room, all right? Just think about it. Think about your brothers and sisters. And this probably wouldn't surprise you, but like, I don't know if you'd go this far, but he got stabbed by one of his family members three weeks ago. That's what happened to him. And uh, that's just what they do. And um, so he, that's, that's, been, that's been his last year. And he went to camp with us and almost made it. He made it from Monday to Thursday, and Thursday night I had to take him home. Almost made it. He, was, he cried half the way home. He's like, my mouth got me in trouble again. I'm like, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did, man. And, but guess what? I'll tell you right now, I was very proud of him. If you're going to do outreach ministry, you can't be embarrassed of those types of kids. You can't do it. Or those types of people. In fact, I know I've had people and parents, like these kids we do all the time, I've had parents tell me, you know, I can't go to church. Why? Because it'll catch on fire as soon as I get there. I've had people actually tell me that. If I walk through the door, I will catch on fire or the building will catch on fire. I know that's going to happen. I've had people tell me, I can't go to church. Why not? I don't have the right clothes. You see what he's wearing? <laughs> he is in the Hellfire Club at church camp. That is at church camp right there, just to let you know. That's at Lake Ann. People say, I don't have the right clothes. I can't go to church. Because they have the misconception of what it is. You can't choose. You can't choose. And so we have kids. We've reached out. We have these people. We've, we've, God's brought us a lot of people. I could tell you more and more stories. The thing is, though, 
it's the next part of the Great Commission that's been really tough. Okay? Next part of the Great Commission has been baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which means bringing them into the church, right? Getting them into the church. The Bible says you need to be part of the church. Do not neglect the gathering of the saints. Be part of the church. That's what I've established. It is my body. It is here for you. I put leadership. We preach the word. You sing song. You encourage one another. Be part of the church. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Discipleship, right? Come into the church and then you get discipled. And this is the problem we've had. It's been really hard integrating some of these kids. It's been really hard integrating people into the church. And when you have a hard time integrating them into the church, you have an extremely hard time discipling them. Because part of discipleship is walking along with other people. It's not just opening a book and reading. It's about the doing, which is the church. And some of that requires this. Oh, sorry. Some of that requires this, giving up your former life. Right? Many people who are traveling with Jesus said to them, if you come to me, but I will not, but will not leave your family, you cannot be my follower. You must love me more than your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, even more than your own life. Whoever will not carry the cross that is given to them when they follow me cannot be my followers. And you have to do that with other people. Doing that by yourself is crazy. And this is where we're at. How do we get people to give up their former life and come and be part of the church and be discipled. I just told you about Dontavius, like his home family stabbed him. And everything else that goes on in, in the area, you know, I actually had an email last night from Lake Ann that said, hey, listen, two of your campers mentioned something about abuse at home. And we got to let you know about it. And I'm like, all right, I guess I know what I'm doing Monday. That's what, that's what a lot of these kids grow up in. It, not just Flint, Davison as well. Burton as well, Grand Blank as well. And it's tough because we want, and I'm going to show you this, I'm going to talk about this whole thing a little bit later, so if you don't understand it, it's fine. But this is, this is a model that my wife has learned, and I'm going to talk about it more. But we want, this thing working. So we want to be here as a church. This is what we focus on. We want to empower people to be like Jesus, and discipline them to not be dumb, right? Discipline them to, hey, some of the things that you want to do that your heart draws you to do, they're not good for you. Well, you need to discipline yourself to not do that, to be able to say no, all right? This is where the church sits, all right? The problem is the church can come here a little bit and here a little bit, but you have all of this. A lot of the kids that we have, they don't, I mean, they don't eat unless they go to school. If they go to school, Don Tavis, I said Don Tavis didn't go to school for four or five months this year, right? And it takes a long time to trust. The reason Don Tavis got kicked out of camp this year was not really because he did something really that bad. It's because he had a really bad Monday. You want to know why he had a really bad Monday? He didn't know anybody. He didn't trust him. And so somebody told him to do something, and he looked at him and was like, I ain't doing that. Had a really bad Monday. Why? Because he had no trust. He doesn't trust people. He doesn't trust people. It's taken us a long time to earn his trust. It takes us a long time to earn a lot of kids' trust. And guess what? You know how many t- much time we have with them each week? I don't know. If we're lucky, six hours? If we're lucky? If they come to everything that we, all the programs we do? Six hours. That's what we have. It's a hard, long, it's a, not a long time to, to have trust, to nurture them, to let them know that they can fail, 
That's one of the great things. When the Bible says that all things work together for good, right? One of the great things about Don Tavius getting kicked out of the camp is because I had a four-hour drive with him home by myself. Right? We got to talk. And I got to tell him, like, man, you know, I'm proud of you. You made it to Thursday. You made it to Thursday, man. You're going to come back next year. We're going to make it all the way. Like, remember last time you got kicked out of camp? This is not his first time. Last time you got kicked out of camp? You were mad. You were like, these people are stupid. I hate these people. These blah, 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 blah. Just, just, just indignant. And this time, you know what he was doing? He was crying. He had repented. I mean, he had a repentant heart. Is that not what God looks for? He opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Wants a repentant and humble heart. It was an amazing thing. I'm like, I'm proud of you, bro. I don't like that we have to drive four hours to go home, but I'm proud of you. It was a great time. But it was a nurture. You can fail, and you still got people that love you. You can fail, and you've still got people that love you. And I'll tell you guys, this is a very biblical thing. Like, the church, I know the church cannot be a social organization. It's not what we're called to be. It's not the primary mission. However, however, Jesus does say this. The Bible says that when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one, one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For, when I, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry, feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you see a stranger invite him in or need clothes to clothe you? When did, you, when did we see you sick in a prison and go and visit you? And the king replied, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You did for me. When you see someone with a need and you're willing to fill it, it is like you are fulfilling it for Jesus himself. It is a great thing, and you guys are very active in that, and you guys have actually, you might not even know, you've actually been active in that in our ministry. This was about, what, seven years ago, six years ago? Um, you know, we're always taking kids to the camp, and, you know, a lot of the kids that, that we bring with us, that we minister to, um, they're, not, they're, they're low income, okay? And the camp we go to is not a low-income camp. It is, I think, the, the, it goes somewhere between $540 to $630 for the week, right? Expensive, right? And every kid gets some type of, uh, some type of help. Um, but some of our low-income kids, they are like, I'm like, can you guys pay 50 bucks to go to camp? How about 20 And then I usually end up putting it back on their camp store anyway. So it's usually fr- basically free as they go to camp. And then it was about five, six, seven years ago, you guys gave money for me. I think it was four or five kids that got to go to camp because you guys gave for those kids to go to camp, which was an awesome thing. And I've never got to come here and say thank you. So thank you. It was awesome. And I don't get to send kids to camp unless people do that. And so we're called to meet the needs that we can meet. And that is where this new idea comes from. We've, we've been praying for years, three, four years now, about how do we bridge the gap between go and get them and then integrating them into the church and discipling them. How do we bridge that gap? With all the needs these kids have, how do we bridge the gap? Okay? 
And that's where we came up with this. Amplify Ministries of Michigan. Um, it, is, it is a separate organization that we have started. And we had started it three years ago and had a place down in the south side of Flint that we were renting. And um, we, we did that. And two months later, COVID hit. And so we lost all that. And so we thought, well, we just spent money to create an organization that maybe that's God's way of saying, no, don't need that. Okay, and we were kind of okay with that. And we were thinking and praying and, you know, we kind of let the organization kind of go and we didn't really meet. And actually, and so when we restarted, I had to like file all the back paperwork with the states. So they, and COVID was awesome for that because they were like, oh, COVID, yeah, of course, no one's failed anything. So it was great. We were able to start it right back up. And, you know, my, me and my wife were talking about what are we going to do? And we found this property. Found this property. And so we're like, well, how do we do this? Well, we knew that there were needs. We knew that there were needs and that, you know, by faith, if you were going to meet someone's, if somebody has a need and you can meet it, let's meet it. Let's meet it. Right? And that's James 2. Basically what Jesus said as well. Like, you feed me, you, f- you feed others, you feed me. Let's meet some needs, right? So here are the needs we have. Education. I told you about Don Tavis, barely went to school. COVID really made a shift where we're at. Maybe it did down here a little bit too, where we're at. A lot of kids started going online. Okay? A lot of kids. And then a lot of those kids also live in one-parent homes. And if you live in a single-parent home, you understand that that parent has to work. And if you're at home in school with a working parent, how many of you are doing school? I mean, my kids are pretty studious, and I don't think they're doing school very long if we're not there. Right? And so here's, here's this, is, this is actually Flint Public Schools, um, but here's their data. I mean, not good. Education is not good. And you see like the graduation rates, like, oh, the graduation rates, not that bad. Well, but the school participation rate is. So they were able to write off a ton of kids because by the time they become seniors, here's freshmen, 301 kids freshmen, 12th grade, 73. Right? I mean, there's 25% of the, of the student population left. And so, and then you get 60 of them, 65%, 70% of them graduate. That's the educational needs up there. Stability. Kids need stability. Um, like I said, most kids don't, don't eat unless they, go to, unless they go to school. We had Don Tavius. Don Tavius is not the only one. One time my wife brought a kid home from, from camp and they stopped at their house and getting ready to unpack, and they had moved. Their kid was at camp, they moved. My wife's like, well, what do I do now? Called me like, they're, they're gone, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, drive around, see if you can find, I don't know, I mean, bring her home, I don't know what to do. They're gone. The, the kid doesn't know, kid's calling, and like, well, my parents' phone's shut off too, and I'm like, well, that doesn't help either. Like, okay, we gotta figure out where this kid's gonna sleep tonight. Like, it's just, just what it is. They move. Um, you know, we're going online, and then um, yeah, so long, yeah, I just, it's stability. There's no stability. Most of these kids only have one family homes. I'll tell you right now, I, a lot of them don't know, it's usually the dad, but a lot of them don't know their, one of their parents. Don't even know them. Never been in their life. Counseling needs. Counseling needs. And this is crazy. You, like you, I look up there, and you're like, okay, there's 
Some of, I would be, you'd be amazed. Like I said, we got two kids just from camp. I'm getting abused at home. We've had kids over the years, I can't tell you how many times we've had to call, report um, sexual abuse of kids that we know it's going, it's, that's going on. You know, some of the cops, and I actually have friends in the, in the police department. They know who I am. I've had, I had a cop call me one time like, hey, listen, um, I understand this kid's in your youth group. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, and, she, and that, we, were at, we were at youth group at this time. They're like, I'm like, yeah, her sister's right here. And she's like, well, I'm trying to get a hold of mom because, um, you know, we found the sister uh, at a party in a hotel room somewhere. And, but they call me. They're like, we know who you are. Oh, we know this guy. Hey, listen. Because like, this is what we do. We have, we have abuse, lack of food, right? And all these things are mentally like, if you, if you go without food, you think that you have to fight for your next meal, it, it mentally changes you. It mentally changes you. There's, a, there's tons of counseling needs. And a lot of these kids, they, they, you will tell you, most of these kids are in therapy and they're put on drugs, but they, they never actually address the issue. And that's not Christian counselors. It's just counseling, therapy. They never actually address the issue. And then discipleship. I told you, we only get about six hours a week if we're lucky. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is, is big group stuff. And, you know, Sunday morning church and, you know, you know, Amplify is really the only time where you really get to sit down one-on-one with the kid unless you go pick them up, which we do a lot. But it's the only time you really get to sit down one-on-one with kids. So we're looking really for more time, more holistic approach, and honestly, a unique environment. A lot of these kids, like, sitting there is not going to do it. This right here... Like, I've, I've lost them. Like, you've been sitting way too long if you're, if you're in one of these kids. You can't do it. And so, this is where we go back to this. So, this is an approach that um, we've actually been doing for years um, and didn't even know it. I mean, we didn't call it this stuff. My wife uh, found this out uh, when she's, my wife is getting her degree at, at Colorado Christian University in counseling. And this is an approach one of her, her professors has uh, developed and published on, and it is now being used in the counseling world. And my wife was like, you know, we kind of use that kind of already. And they are actually in the midst of, of creating, taking her counseling um, structure and in creating a discipleship series, right? And a discipleship series based on this structure right here. And so what it says is that you've got to meet some needs before you can see changed lives really what it is. And that's what we're trying to do. We have to be able to meet needs. We have to be able to meet these kids' needs before we can see them have their lives changed because they're not going to be open. And guess the thing, God can do anything. And I've seen kids come out of it. I mean, God can do anything, right? Miracles. But for them to be open to the Holy Spirit and open their heart up long enough and not deny it and quench the Holy Spirit, we have to begin to meet needs. We have to begin to meet needs. And that is why we are doing this. It's the opportunity. We are purchasing a farm in Davison. It's only, I mean, I couldn't believe there was a farm for purchase in Davison, but there is. And it's only, it's only about three minutes from the house we live in at right now. And so it is right in the area we want to do ministry. And we are selling our house and are going to move into this house. And all the money we have, we're going to make from our house, we are putting into this farm, Okay. Um, we're lucky. We, we bought low. We bought when the, when the market was really low. We're going to do well, over $100,000 in our house, which is great. And we're going to put it all into this. This is a $1.1 million, $1. $1 million project. And so 
Uh, when I said we've been praying about it, and we were looking at it, me and my wife looked at each other the first time. We're like, <laughs> wouldn't that be cool? And that was like three years. That before we went down to South, South Flint. This has been on the market for that long. We're like, man, a million dollars. Wouldn't that be cool if we could have a million dollars to do this? And we decided last fall that let's see if we can. And we're going to move in. And this barn right here is going to end up being the ministry center. Um, it is 100 by 72. And it's big. It's big. It's got big enough for basketball hoops. Over here is going to be a place. We're going to make classrooms over in this lean-to area. Um, we want to be able to put some type of a counseling center in there. And um, it's, it's big. It's big enough to host what we want to do. I just got done talking with somebody this past week. We're thinking about doing some hydroponics um, projects for the kids that can grow their own food and learn how to do that skill. I've got people that want to come out and do skill training with these kids. It's cool. So we're going to host all of this in here. So the ministry, so us, us individually, we have put all of our eggs in a, in a basket to buy the farm. The ministry is going to own this barn. That's the only thing, that's the only thing they're going to own. They're going to rent it from us from, for like a dollar a year or something like that for a hundred years or whatever we decide the contract's going to be, right? And so they're going to, this is going to be theirs. And the ministry is responsible for making this look like a ministry center, right? And so this is what we're, they're going to do. They're going to, we're going to finish and insulate walls, heating and cooling, bathrooms, kitchen, furnish the barn. That's going to be the ministry's um, ability or thing to do. That's what they need to do. And so um, part of that, part of that barn is, is going to end up being the counseling center. And the reason the farm is so cool is because we want to use the farm life down here as part of the counseling. My wife is learning how to use uh, animals and things for as therapy animals. And I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like I heard of therapy horses. I didn't know you could use cows as therapy animals. I guess you can. They're great, evidently. And so she's learning how to do all that. She's getting her master's in that from Colorado Christian. And we're going to use hands-on counseling and um, to, to, to help kids deal with some of the things that are going on in their life. And so this farm is actually going to be a real farm. The second barn is back here. It's as big as the first one. It's 100 by 72. It's gonna, it holds hay and it's not. There's no concrete floor. It's a dirt floor. Um, we're going to brew chickens in there. We're going to do all this stuff. It's going to be kind of the farming thing. Uh, barn three is going to be um, a cow. It's a cow barn. It's where all the cows are. And so it's actually going to be a working farm. And our, our goal, 110 acres, about 85 of it farmable, our goal is to probably turn it into a mostly animal farm so kids can go out and have animals and work on it. And then what will happen is this farm is going to become self-sufficient. So the farm will be able to pay its own mortgage and the ministry will continue to have a place to be to use the animals, to use the life free of charge and be able to pour all of its money into the actual ministry of caring for these kids. That's the goal. That's the goal. And the money that we're getting from our, like I said, the money we're getting from our house is going to sustain us for the years that we need until it becomes self-sufficient. And we are working with a farm called Joe's Farm. That's down in uh, Kalamazoo. He's actually on our board and he's the one helping us set up how to do all this stuff. And how, and how to have a hands-on approach to instill self-discipline in kids, to do things, to care for animals. We're going to get involved in 4-H, which is going to be really cool. I've never done 4-H. Um, and so Joe's really excited to teach us how to do that, get these kids involved in 4-H, and be able to have something that they accomplish. 
something that they succeed at. Be able to discipline, to help these kids get some self-worth and discipline. Because guess what? God has made us to work, right? One of the first things he said, hey, listen, I made you. Go take care of what I made. Go work. Name some animals. Like, do something. And he's given us purpose in, in work. And so that's what we want to do. Be able to use all of that to begin to instill some self-discipline and self-worth in these kids. And if we can get them out of the environment, we can begin to begin to work with them in, that, in, those, in those lower categories where we can teach um, self-discipline and empowerment for these kids. And then they can be a functioning adult in society. And, even more important, someone that is going to live their life for the Lord and reproduce what they've got. It's what we want. And so it's what we're doing right now. Right now we're buying. Like we're selling our house. By November we're going to be in. And so um, we have, we had a, by God's grace, this was back in March or something like that. Um, we, because we put the offer in in November, March, somebody came to me like, I want to talk to you about the farm. And I'm like, oh great, someone's going to support us. We didn't have many supporters at this time. And he's like, we'll support you, but we're not just going to support you. We want to give you a loan. I'm like, I don't want a loan. He's like, yeah, you do. You want, we're going to give you a million dollar loan. And I'm like, what? I'm like, you have a million dollars? I'm going to give you a million dollar loan. And that way, that took 95% of the pressure off. I have a loan. How was I going to get a loan for a million dollars? I'm a youth pastor, right? Like, I don't make enough to have a million dollar loan. And so, um, he provided a million dollar funding. And so now we're just, and actually been the harder thing to find is the last $100,000 loan for, our, for, the, for the property. It's exciting. So God's done that. And so for the ministry now, that's all personal, right? It's all taken on personal wise. For the ministry, the giving is all going towards ministry. So the one-time gifts we're looking for. And uh, so we need money that will help fix the barn up, turn into a ministry center. Skill, money, things like that. Uh, we got to buy furnishings, tables, chairs, computers, plates, silverware, washer, dryer, et cetera, things like that. Let's be honest, like the washer and dryer, you think, well, what do you need that for? I'm telling you right now, these kids need to bring their clothes and get them washed. We wash clothes all the time at the church. And then a 15-passenger vehicle. Sounds like you guys need one today. We need one for our ministry too. Um, this would allow us to give teens rides back and forth because I'll be honest with you, they're probably not getting their own rides. So that's the, uh, the one-time gift things. Uh, we are looking for funding. Our goal is $8,000. Um, it pays for a director's salary, and that, the director's going to end up being me. And so just to be forthcoming, you know, my salary with the ministry right now is going to be about $1,200 a month. That's it, right? Just help, help with the mortgage part. It's not a lot. We want to get the ministry rolling. We want to be able to um, hire some part-time parapros. We have um, people that are volunteering right now. Uh, we'd like to be able to, as kids come in and are able to, to have schooling, the, the, the point of what we want to do is have kids do online schooling. We don't want to provide the schooling. There's tons of kids in online schools. There's a lot of good online schools. Come bring your online school here and we'll just keep you accountable. We'll be your parent. We're going to help you finish, stay on task. You have questions. We'll show you how to get the answers. We'll help you talk to your counselors at the school, keep you on track. We're here to just provide you with discipline to do what you're supposed to do. We don't need to teach you. There's a ton of people that are doing the teaching already. That's not a need. The need is getting these kids to do it. And so we want to hire some parapros to do that. We need to be able to buy food. Yes, we live on a farm, but like 
not everybody wants to eat corn every day. So you got to actually buy food, uh, administrative stuff like insurance and all that. And then the actual establishing of the counseling center will take some cash to do. Um, just we've got to get certified and do some things that, that are going to have to do that. And I'll be honest with you, the more kids we have, the, it's going to be probably too much for one counselor at some point. So we'll have to be able to provide. And, you know, one of the reasons why people don't go to Christian counselors is Medicaid either doesn't pay for it or it's not going to pay for it unless you diagnose them with some diagnosis. Everybody's got a diagnosis now because that's the only way they get paid. I didn't know that. The only way insurance pays for counseling is if you get diagnosed within a certain amount of time. I didn't know that was a thing. So we want to be able to provide counseling that's not on that vein. That's what we want to be able to do. And so then there's all the future plans that we have, and you can see it up there. Uh, we want to be self-sustaining in five years, and uh, we want to cast the vision. We want to maybe barn four to be a country store for kids, like actually employ kids. They can have a job, and they, they, maybe they make crafts and they sell them in the country store and they make a profit on what they, they, they make and it just gives them purpose. We teach them business skills. Hey, how do you run this store? How would you price this? We have eggs. Like, how do you price it and make a profit? Do you, how much is your time worth? That's something the kids never thought of. I mean, a kid, what? Their time's worth what? A, a monster, a Mountain Dew? Like, that's what they think their time's worth. But what is your time worth? Like all these things that, you could, that we can teach these kids to, to be self-sustaining and, and, and members of society, but fulfill what God's called them to do and to do it in a God-honoring way. Because we want to get them to that point where we can have empowerment and self-discipline because that's when they're going to honor the Lord with their actions. I'll tell you right now that most of the kids we talk, we talk to will tell you that they believe in God and that they probably believe in Jesus Christ. We've had, we had this past year at Amplify at the church, 12 kids accept Christ the Savior, which is awesome. But they need to make that next step. I don't want them to be the seat on the road where sin comes and strangles out their faith. Or the cares of this world come and dry out their faith. I don't want that. They need to be able to grow and reproduce. And so we think that we found a way to maybe um, bridge the gap, meet the needs of these kids. And so um, we're here today to present that to you and ask that you pray to see if that's something that you would want to be a part of and partner with. And um, just to let you know, we are actually doing our first fundraiser in August. As much as it's a fundraiser, the, the cool thing is that we're going to do it at the property. Before we even get the pole of it, they're letting us come hold this at the property. So if you want to come and actually see it, like the pictures are good, not great, you can come actually see and maybe get the vision and see how cool this actually could be. Because you get on that property and you're like, man, this could be an amazing thing. God could use this in great ways. And so I thank you for letting me do this. I pray, and here's the other thing I do pray, is I do pray that, that the message that came before, this wasn't just about Amplified Ministries, it's about the God's Word as well. And I pray that you guys really take to heart, like, what, what are you doing to minister to the people around you, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your coworkers? What are you doing to outreach and, and, and reach people that you might not even think would ever set foot in the church? What are you doing to reach them with the gospel? Let me pray for you, and then I'll turn it back over to Pastor Don. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity, we, but we thank you so much for your word and for your spirit 
what it does for us, that it leads us, that it empowers us, Lord. And I pray that you help us minister to the people that you put in our lives. I pray that we are effective ministers. I pray that you give us the strength and the words and the courage to do what you've called us to do. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ross. Appreciate it, bud. I know I've been away on vacation for two weeks, but my pastor senses are tingling. Don't you sense an SOS coming up where we can get over there and do some work? Huh? Anybody with me? I pray that God will uh, encourage you to consider what, what would possibly be your role in this. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Ross and Lara to make their way out to the oak and uh, they're going to be there. They'll have some of those flyers for the event. It's a cornhole event, right? Teams for cornhole. I am one of the absolute worst cornhole players, but I'm coming. I'm coming, Ross. I'll be there. I need a partner who wants to lose, and, uh, and that, that can pay the whole fee for both of us. So that'd be great. Um, but we plan on uh, participating. I'd love to have other people from Oakwood. It's good to get boots on the ground there to see it to sense uh, even more the reality of that. I encourage you to, to be a part of it. I encourage you to stop and talk with them, encourage them, and, and ask questions, learn more, and uh, let's see what God does for them and through us. Let's see what we're going to do here. And uh, let's worship as, our, as we get ready to leave. Stand with us and let's sing our way out this morning.